Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Two and a half weeks went by since I've been on the show. The first day that I think it was Blog Talk wasn't working, and then we ended up with a pretty big kind of emergency in my family. But I think we're going to be okay. It's it's still now it's kind of stabilized, and um, we are on a transplant list now, or going to be. Um, So we had to go through all of that. But when you have organ failure, everything goes out because your body needs every part of itself to work. So we've had, um, I can't even tell you, it took me such a while to organize my mind. But I also knew that I knew enough to know where to stop. Like I knew I could only concentrate on so much without me getting drained, and I needed every ounce of energy I had to help. So, um, wow, I missed you guys. I hope you guys are all well and healthy and happy and safe. Um, You know, time is our greatest asset. I say it all the time, and I got to see it and watching someone fight for their life and their quality of life and the quality of love and caring that we share, it makes such a difference in life. It's its what life is about because everything else fades to black when life needs us to stand up for it. And its it's been such an amazing time. And in this time, I had made an entire list because as it got quieter, I can hear more. And I realized how not quiet I have been all this time because I'm so busy trying to finish everything so I could, in quotes, relax, whatever that means. But really my way of life is just being totally busy until I'm just downright exhausted by the end of the day. And this is the first time I really just said, hey, all I can do at this point and let me do my best here because I need myself in a way I didn't need myself before. And a lot of times helping others takes us so far out of ourselves that we can actually see ourselves in in yet a way, because nobody's perfect and no one claims to be perfect, but we are always growing and we are always challenging ourselves. And we don't know what those growths or challenges are until we are in a situation that brings it all out. So 
this whole show about the energy exchange, which was the one I was going to do on Wednesday, then I was going to do it on Monday, and, like, you know, it just kept getting pushed. But I came back to it because it's so important, even now more so than before, to just talk about how the difference of how we react in our relationships and we take our stuff out of it, our insinuations, our little comments, our resentments, our hurts. It's such a refreshing turnaround emotionally that you just can't believe it until you see it. And it works. Because any way that things happen to you or with you in your life, you bring to you. I bring to me, everyone brings it to themselves, whatever forum they want to be on. And the biggest part of it is the things that hurt us, that we feel hurt by, that we kind of want to talk about until we get it out of our systems if we can, if we don't go back and heal or don't go back and rewrite our thoughts and say, hey, you know what, that person wasn't just mean to me. They're just mean. And I happened to get a glimpse of that, and I'm glad that I removed myself as opposed to stay for the mean. But if you stay and you keep getting hurt, why are you staying to keep getting hurt when you know that that person doesn't know they're hurting you, you've told them they're hurting you, and they still have not stopped? You've made every effort. And why are some people apologetic for being hurt? And they're the ones getting hurt. And why are sometimes the people hurting you because they, they just don't know what they don't know, or maybe they do? Not apologetic. And then the one that's hurt is trying to prove how the other one hurt them so that they can justify that they've been hurt. Instead of just saying, hey, I've been hurt. You don't need a second opinion on it. So these energy exchanges that go back and forth all day, it's like a little tennis match. Sometimes the ball is in, sometimes the ball is out, sometimes it's right on the line. But if there's energy bouncing back and forth, positive or negative, you're going to continue that relationship until you either heal through it, heal with it, which is the longevity, which is when you can stay. Or one of the two of you or both of you are not going to care enough to play, to do the rally. But a great example of energy exchange, and I've you know, had two weeks of this show in my brain, because it was the last place I, I left off turning situations around when you're being faced with not just life and death alone, but how you deal with it. So what am I bringing to the table? What am I thinking about? And how is that coming out in my actions or in my words? How is that affecting the other person? And I just Remember, like, one of the early days, the first days of this happening, when we realized, okay, we're in deep trouble. And 
you know, I'm not a big 911 caller, and I actually had to do that um, even after I stopped the show. That happened, and I just remember shaking. I remember, you know, just tears coming down my face without even knowing I'm crying in a way, not being affected by how deep I was feeling because I was still in action. And then, you know, as you catch up, you start to think about those things. And I remember when, you know, they came back home and I said, oh, my God, I'm so mad at your body today. They're like, why? And I said, because I wanted it to listen to us. And, And just saying that for some reason took the illness away from it, taking away from the person and made us feel like, oh, I'm just, I am mad at this. Let me at least say that. Let me at least put that on the table. Because if I can't say all of these things, then the energy we're going to exchange is fear of, oh my God, this is really going to hurt us. This is super serious. And we just lightened up. It lightened up the energy in the house, in the room, in the conversation, in every conversation after that, because we were just able to talk about it. Yes, that was scary. But look at the recovery. Look at what came back. Look at how we helped ourselves. Look at how others helped us. Look at all the people that cared and reached out that could. Time went on, it's more just today was a great day. Even in the ugliest part of it, today is a great day. We did our best. It's the best we can do. And when we started exchanging that energy, everything lifted to, okay, these are the foods you can eat. Let's make a great meal out of them. Because, you know, sometimes when... People get sick, 90% of what they can eat is gone. Now you can only eat certain foods or, you know, your numbers and all that stuff start doing crazy things. And then we did that. And, oh, wow, you can have as much corn as you want. Let's make cornbread. And we did. Let's make this tasty. Let's do that over here. And we did. So we started exchanging energy, not with fear, but another F word, fun. And it worked. It really worked. So I was thinking, God, any one of us that's listening right now, or who may hear this in archives, If you take something, whatever it is in your life that you have that tape, you know, that, well, this always happens to me. Oh, nobody ever pays attention to me. Oh, I'm alone. You know, all those kinds of reoccurring thoughts that tend to plague us, that ego trying to get in, you know, oh, they're vulnerable here. They do think they're alone. Let's play that up. Or nobody cares about them. They think no one cares about them. Okay, let's play that up. And then we, they, it creates a world. And that's why negative begets negative and positive begets positive. And I have to tell you, the first person you learn to exchange energy with will set 
that precedent, every relationship of your life. And it's you exchanging energy with yourself. The thoughts that you have, that you allow, you allow, you give permission to, think about. The thoughts you have, that you allow yourself to think about, are going to, will, write there's of your life. And if you want to race to the back of the book and you don't face the fact that you are responsible for what is in your brain and what you're choosing to focus on, you'll be the same at the end of the book as you would in the beginning. And then I ask, well, if you're going to read a book that you know the ending to, isn't that kind of boring and predictable? It is. But what if you didn't know what the ending was? How many books have we read when we didn't know the ending and we couldn't stop reading the book and we couldn't stop turning the pages to see what was going to happen the next day? That when we were done, we're like, wow, that was a great book. I did not see that coming. That's that's what you want. Because when you can't see something coming, tools, the tools in your head, sharpen. They hone, as Christ would say. They hone themselves. And if in the moment you can say, yep, this is as scary as it's going to get. But you know what? I'm going to talk about it. Not for hours. (laughs) I'm not going to wear the person out who's already not feeling well. I'm not going to depress them with how bad this is. I'm just going to say how I feel. I'm really mad at your body right now. I want it to work. And I'm like, body... Come on, you could do this. You really can. Let's try. Let's give it our best shot. Let's plan for the worst and hope for the best. And that brings calm. Not in a non-exciting way, in the most exciting way. Because then we've reeled ourselves into a moment where the rubber really meets the road. And as that rubber meets the road, you're the one driving that car. That's on the road. And the greatest love that we can share with ourselves and with others is accepting the moment in time that we are in. When we can't accept that, we can't accept anything else that goes on around it because we're too scared of it. What if this happens and what if that happens? And, you know, what if? What if? What will you do if that happens? No one can predict how they'll feel until something happens, but let's walk through that in our minds. Let's let's take away that element of, fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt that can strip us of the beauty of why these moments are happening. 
and what we can do with them. And we never thought we could. Just exchanging that energy. And things don't have to be as dramatic as somebody in a life and death situation. But the decisions you make every single day, every single day are that dramatic. You can wake up and go, God, I'm so tired. Oh, I can't wait till I get back home from work or I can't wait until, and I'm just so tired. And you keep telling yourself, oh, I'm just so tired. And then before you know it, you're like super tired. Grew that energy in you. You're exchanging energy with tired, the energy of tired. And it's going to do its best job for you. I'm so lonely. There's just nobody around. I'm just so lonely. And now you're exchanging energy with lonely. So what are you going to do? You're going to feel even more lonely. And everything you see is going to go back to that lonely feeling. If you watch a show, you'll be like, oh, they're so lonely too. I get that. Let me watch that. And then you invest time in not only being lonely, but watching people that are lonely when there's a whole array of people you could watch or things you could watch. But when Christ says negative begets negative, that's how it begets it. We create a house around each feeling that we want to create a house around. And we put a few windows. Some of our feelings we don't even put windows on. We don't even let it look out onto the street. And we close the door and we lock it and make sure no one gets into that feeling. And I'll just carry it and I'll just hold it. And now we're martyrs of our feelings. And that's what we're exchanging energy with. And then somebody says something or you see a post on Facebook or you have a conversation with your parents or whoever and they bring something up and you're like, you don't know what it feels like. And you're right. They don't, because the walls you built don't let them. They can see that you're taking it on, but they have their own pile of stuff to work through. And if you're going to make it hard for people to get there, and they don't even live with you, so they don't even see, they don't have enough data to say anything, You've just created the loneliness. You've given it a home. Choices to build those homes around certain feelings and lock the doors around certain feelings. They're not up in the attic in the back room. They're they're alive and well today. But the truth is that's what you're exchanging energy with. So in the worst of it, I told myself... I'm going to pay attention to this in a good way. I'm going to take this on. I know it kind of wore me out, but while I'm home and while I feel this quiet, there were days when we didn't go to the doctor, but I didn't want to do the show one day and not the next day and then this. You know, it's like I would go crazy, let alone a listener. But I knew enough to know that I was being 
retaught or or taught deeper certain things that we are already doing. And I ended up making an entire list of things that I was like, oh, my God, that's so good. And, again, I'm driving and I had to pull over just like when I started writing the books. Only now I'm talking because we can reach more people talking. In this time, because I was exchanging energy with what works, a lot of other stuff started working. I said, okay, I know that we're home in quarantine, and we're not fully quarantined in in California anymore, but COVID is growing, and now it's stabilizing, and every day it's different. So I said, okay, I'm not going to even think about COVID because I have – issues that are directly in my home right now. I can't do anything about COVID except wear a mask when I go out or whatever it is I have to do to not bring it home and and injure the already injured. But I said, I'm home again. Isn't that funny? Not only am I home from one thing, I'm home from two things right now. So what am I going to do with this time? And I started building things. I ordered a podium and I built it, screws and all. I ordered a cart for my oven and I built it, screws and all. I took out stuff that I knew people could use and I went and gave it to people who could use it. So in the little bit of time I had, I pushed and propelled the love that I was feeling. There were times I would feel that fear, like, oh, my God, what if this happens? And then I'd reel myself in and go, yeah, what if it happens? So what would you do? Are you going to sit here and just be scared of it? Because if you're scared of it, you're not going to help anybody. But if I'm not scared of it, I have the energy to help everybody if I want to or if I can. And my entire energy would change. Instead of feeling like I would have to sleep all day, rush to get everything done before I did go to bed at night, before I knew, like, my plug would come out, because there's a certain point in the day where my plug just unplugs, and it's like, okay, you need to sleep right now. And I do fall asleep, but then I wake up early in the morning, and now I know that I'll have my most energy at this time of the day, and this is what I'm going to do the hardest stuff. And then I go back and say, wow, I used to raise my kids like that. Do what you have to do, then what you want to do. And now I'm I'm actually doing that. Even though I always did it, but now I needed it as a tool because I was faced with something bigger than me and something that wasn't in my control other than how I felt about it. But how I felt about it, and I made a choice to feel about it like that, was I kept going back and I kept saying what I've been saying since the beginning of this year, and I cannot tell you how that has saved me from letting that little shred of ego get in on that width of the hair to take down the fort. Instead, I built it every time I said, God, I want what you want. Ego cannot even compete with that energy exchange. 
And the biggest thing I got out of this was that choose because an emotion is like a full-grown person but only with one emotion. So if you're going to choose being content or, hey, this is my best, or you're going to choose I'm lonely, nobody cares about me, I can't believe I'm doing this, this is hard, this is this, this is that, you're dealing like with one entire person that only has one emotion and you are only exchanging energy with them. If you can think of it as a person, just to give it a way of it being a visual in your mind. And I cannot tell you how much of it is a choice. It is your choice. Our choices. And I consciously looked at it and said, hey, wait a minute. What am I doing? And let me try it. And it works. And I I also realized after working with so many people, when they talk to me or they write me, they want what I what I call a magic answer. They want whatever they're thinking to be validated, good, bad, or indifferent, and challenge that thought. They want to get over so hard in their own hearts over whatever it is that's in there that's trying to tug at them and take away from them. But then there's this last-ditch effort by ego that comes into play and wants that person to not listen to the person who's telling them the truth. They want to hear it the way they want to hear it. And I always thought, but why would they call if they just wanted to hear it the way they wanted to hear it? Or why would they write? Or why would they take the class? And then I found this little, I want to say, gateway into people's feelings. And it's called investment. Whatever we've invested in, invested our time in, it's super hard to divest. So if you say to someone, just change the way you're thinking, that's a really hard thing to do. Because the investment is in thinking a certain thought, But what happens when we do that is other thoughts don't come in. So when we feel those new thoughts, they feel far away like it's not normal yet. But what I want to say today is that let that new thought become your normal. Keep doing it every day. You know, like when people lose weight, they don't lose it. They start their diet on, let's say, August 1st, and they don't even start seeing weight loss until the middle of September. But by then, they're getting used to a new way of eating. You have to be able to project, like, hey, this isn't going to happen in a day. It may take a while for it to happen, but it will happen. And then that will be my normal. And then from that normal, you you have a different normal, a newer normal, a more refined normal. But you have to be patient with your soul. It's not a machine. It's not a commercial on TV. It's not a half-hour TV show. It's your life. And no matter how old you are listening to this, it took that whole life of yours to accept everything you're doing today. 
And if there's things you don't like, like you really don't like, because we don't change when we're happy, we change when the pain is more than the pleasure. Tell yourself, you know what? This is going to be in stages. But I can do it. Other people have done it. Why can't I do it? Like what's so different about me that I'm so stuck in this way or I'm choosing to be in this way? Look at the difference between stuck and choosing. Just saying that sounds different. And when when Christ says give yourself the space to have space, that's creating the space. That's the helper. So today, just ask yourself, not what do I wish for, but what would I like to see in my life? And give yourself patience, compassion, and time to get there. And that's what you will exchange energy with which will be the energy of thriving. It's a huge energy to take on, but it is so cool because you will never know the ending of that book until you try. You guys, I have 10 seconds. I will see you tomorrow. I love you guys. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.